A car ramming into the Chinese consulate in San Francisco, coming to a stop in the lobby. Ending with the police fatally shooting the driver. A desperate father of a Chinese-Israeli woman worrying for his daughter's safety after Hamas abducted her. Plus, what some Taiwanese people are worried about amid the Israeli-Hamas conflict. More protests breaking out during China's National Day. And in-house armed forces set up inside Chinese state-owned enterprises. What are the military garrisons preparing for? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Where's the CCP? A driver reportedly shouted the question after ramming into the Chinese consulate in San Francisco on Monday. Police swiftly arrived on the scene and fatally shot the man. Here's what happened. People were seen rushing out of the Chinese consulate in San Francisco Monday afternoon after a driver plowed a car into the lobby of the building's visa office. Police said law enforcement shot the driver, who later died in hospital. San Francisco Police Department spokesperson Sergeant Catherine Winters described the incident hours later. Officers entered, made contact with the suspect, and an officer-involved shooting occurred. Officers rendered aid, and they had summoned paramedics from the San Francisco Fire Department. Uh, and in spite of the life-saving efforts of the police officers, firefighter paramedics, and personnel at the hospital, the suspect was later pronounced deceased uh, at the hospital. Winters said the identity of the driver and the motive were not yet known, and there was no mention of any other injuries in the incident. She said police were working with U.S. State Department investigators and explained why few details could be given. This is a unique investigation because it did happen inside the lobby of the Chinese consulate. Those, so there's a number of agencies and jurisdictions that are involved. So this is far different than our normal officer-involved shooting, which really does unfortunately impact the amount of information that we can give to you at this time. The Chinese diplomatic post in San Francisco called it an attack, saying in a statement it, quote, strongly condemns this violent attack and reserves the right to pursue responsibility for the incident. The State Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the incident. A Stanford University student who was filing documents in the lobby recounted the incident in a post on X, formerly Twitter. He said the man made a reference to the Chinese Communist Party as he left the car, shouting, where's the CCP? After the incident, the Chinese embassy described it as an attack in a statement. And on Tuesday, China's foreign ministry called for a swift investigation into the car crash from Washington. The consulate has been targeted before and will stay closed until further notice. A protest against Beijing's zero-COVID-19 policies saw the building vandalized with graffiti in November. It was also damaged by multiple arson attacks in the past. Now, we zoom in on the war in Israel after terrorist group Hamas launched an attack on the country. A father is fearing for his daughter's safety. A young woman, Noah Argamani, is among those abducted by Hamas while at an outdoor dance party. What can I say? My whole life since she was born, I have done my best to protect and to hug her, and to support and love her, and now in this difficult moment, to at least encourage her. Israel's consulate in Guangzhou confirming that she's been abducted and taken to Gaza. 
Argamani is half Chinese and was born in Beijing. An Israeli official is calling on Beijing for a stronger response. The Chinese foreign ministry said it's deeply concerned about the violence. It also called for a two-state solution, saying the answer is to make Palestine an independent state. Yaval Wax, a senior official at the Israeli embassy in Beijing, says Israel expects to see a stronger condemnation from Beijing, saying this is not the time to call for a two-state solution when people are being slaughtered in the streets. Over in Taiwan, some residents are worried that China might be emboldened to invade the island. One of them told NTD that Taiwan needs to shore up its defenses. Taiwan should make sure it has enough military power to defend itself. He said he supports Taiwan extending its military conscription service. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer sharing news from Beijing. The Chinese Communist Party saying it would look into tapping one of its officials responsible for the fentanyl issue. We called on President Xi to work with the United States to stem the flow of precursor chemicals that are fueling America's fentanyl crisis. Fentanyl killed over 70,000 Americans in 2021. That's about one person every eight minutes. Last year, U.S. authorities confiscated over 300 million doses of fentanyl, enough to lethally dose the entire U.S. population. American authorities say much of the precursors used to make the drug come from China, with some of them pressed into pills in Mexico and smuggled into the U.S. through the southern border. China suspended working with the U.S. on fentanyl after former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Back to Schumer, he visited Beijing as part of a bipartisan delegation. The trip aims to pave the way for a potential summit between Chinese leader Xi Jinping and President Biden next month. A quick update on Taiwan. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen offering an olive branch to Beijing in her last National Day speech, this time describing a peaceful coexistence. Here's what she said. We do not provoke, we do not act rashly, and we will absolutely not bow to pressure. We can also be calm and self-assured in facing China, creating conditions for peaceful coexistence and future developments across the Taiwan Strait. That means free and unrestricted interaction between people on both sides. Tsai added the strength of international support for Taiwan had reached an unprecedented height. She also restated her duty to safeguard Taiwan's sovereignty and its democratic way of life. Still, despite Taiwan's amicable tone, Beijing called the island's ruling party the greatest threat to peace on Tuesday. In contrast to the accusation, former Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison visited the island during Taiwan's National Day celebrations. He told Tsai that he wished to support Taiwan in shoring up resilience against any security threats. So we wish to support in ensuring a resilient Taiwan and a region that has a strong deterrent against any, any violence or any aggression that would seek to take away the peace and freedom of the people of Taiwan. His visit angered Beijing, which regards Taiwan as its own territory, despite never having ruled the island. Beijing has also threatened to take Taiwan under its control by use of force. 
A new round of protests are popping up in China. As unrest grows, what tactics is Beijing using to stabilize its rule? One of them appears to be arming major companies with military forces, even if their businesses have little to do with defense. Let's zoom in. A reimagined strategy may be emerging in Beijing, upgrading civil businesses with military strength. Last Thursday, a state-owned enterprise in China launched its own armed forces department. That's in Shanghai, one of China's largest financial hubs. In recent months, over a dozen similar militia departments have emerged in civil businesses across the country, even in industries like agriculture and dairy. These armed forces departments, or AFDs, were first founded in 1950 when the Chinese Communist Party had just taken power. Their main function, to address local unrest. The effort kicks in during a hard time for the communist regime. The real estate crisis is ripping through an already tittering economy, and it's triggering protests. A recent video shared on social media shows hundreds of home buyers demonstrating in front of a principal council building over the National Day weekend. That's as they contend with paid-for but still unfinished homes and financial losses. Special police units arrived to control the crowd. That's in southern China's Sichuan. The scene soon turned violent. At the same time, some villagers in rural China are facing another threat, mass demolitions. Local authorities reportedly plan to tear down their houses for the sake of a city design plan. During one confrontation between locals and a construction team, a man sustained a head injury. China affairs expert Li Yuanfang spoke to NTD about Beijing's effort to arm state-owned companies. One is to equip all citizens with military strength to prepare for war, in the case of Beijing, inciting conflicts and provoking hostilities, while the other is to deploy citizens as armed forces to suppress protests. That comes amid rising tensions with the West and the possibility of war looming over Taiwan. New details are coming out about a near collision between the Philippines and Beijing last week. The incident happened in the South China Sea near the disputed Second Thomas Shoal last Wednesday. That's when Chinese ships tried to block and nearly collided with Philippine vessels coming as close as three feet. Now the Department of Foreign Affairs says senior Filipino diplomat Teodoro Loxon Jr. was aboard one of them. He had been on one of two Coast Guard ships deployed to escort two more Philippine boats. That's as they delivered food and other supplies to a Philippine Marine Territory outpost. They were able to make the drop off despite the guiding Coast Guard ships getting blocked. It's unclear why the diplomat's presence wasn't immediately disclosed. The Philippines is one of several nations that have South China Sea territory disputes with Beijing. Now, let's look at what's new in China's business landscape. More trouble for China's property sector. Chinese developer Kaisa says it won't be able to pay back lenders in full. That's if the company is forced to liquidate. According to a lawyer, Kaisa says lenders would get less than 5% of their money back. The attorney is representing one of the creditors that's suing the company. Meanwhile, a Chinese national arrested in India. The person was working for smartphone maker Vivo. Based on legal papers, India's financial crime agency arrested him on Tuesday as part of a case of alleged money laundering. This amid rising tensions between Beijing and New Delhi. 
Over in China, a number of top business leaders are reportedly facing off with police. An executive from one of the country's largest copper trading houses is believed to be in detention for questioning. At the same time, Chinese electric vehicle maker Xpeng said its vice president is under suspicion linked to a different investigation. And just last week, China Evergrande Group's chairman was investigated. The company is the world's most indebted real estate developer. And another quick update, the European Union is joining American efforts to shield industries from cheap competition. The union is launching anti-subsidy investigations against Chinese steelmakers. The U.S. has asked the union to move against Chinese steel producers. That's in return for avoiding the re-imposition of Trump-era tariffs on EU steel and aluminum. An update from China's real estate front. One of the country's largest developers is due to make a new payment. That's after Country Garden missed two others worth close to $23 million last month. Here's more. There was fresh turmoil Tuesday in China's property sector. Giant developer Country Garden said it might not be able to make all its offshore debt payments when they become due. The warning came in a filing to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Shares in the company dropped around 10% in afternoon trade. Country Garden has almost $17 billion in bonds and loans in currencies other than the Chinese yuan. It was due to make payments of close to $67 million on $2 bonds on Monday. Now there's still no word on whether that payment happened, though there is a 30-day grace period. On Tuesday, the group said it had won approval from creditors to extend nine bonds with a value of over $2 billion. Country Garden said that would give it time and space to focus on the recovery of its business. It's one of many Chinese developers to struggle with debts as the housing and capital markets dried up over the past two years. Analysts say big arrival Evergrande faces a growing threat of liquidation. It all has some bondholders betting that Beijing will step in to contain any fallout. Evergrande alone has some $300 billion in liabilities just in China. Investors worry what that might mean for global markets if the firm is allowed to go under. Coming up, ongoing bloodshed in the Middle East. More than 100 Israeli civilians now in the hands of the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas. As Israel continues to fire back with airstrikes, Hamas is vowing to execute one hostage at a time. Women, children and the elderly alike. On the other side of the conflict, China is calling for a ceasefire by establishing, quote, an independent state of Palestine. The communist regime made no mention of Hamas. Is China really a neutral player in this war? To discuss, we have General Robert Spaulding, a retired U.S. Air Force general and a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. As violence continues to unfold in the Israel-Hamas conflict, China is calling for a ceasefire. But is the communist regime really a neutral player in this war? And what does Beijing's growing influence in the region mean for Washington? We sat down with General Robert Spaulding, a retired U.S. Air Force general and a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, for more. General Spaulding, thank you so much for joining us. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. 
General, the world is watching what's unfolding in Israel right now. Following the brutal surprise attack by Hamas over the weekend, you've tweeted out calling this a generational fight, adding it is existential. Give us a sense of just what's at stake here, not just for the region, but for the world. Well, I think, um, you know, the first shoe to drop was Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I think the second shoe is really related to Iran. I know we're talking about Hamas, but Iran uh, supports Hamas. And the the um, the thing that's uh, related between Russia and Iran is China. And I think uh, China in supporting Russia and supporting Iran um, and now Hamas having an invasion of Israel, when you think about it, just in the context of, you know, the resources that's required to support Israel, the resources required to support uh, Ukraine. And then, of course, uh, given the fact that China's supporting both of those, it very much appears to be a concerted attack, not just on Israel, but on the free world. And it, it is about not just putting pressure on Israel, but also putting pressure on the United States in terms of being able to support two wars at once. And I think the, the thing that we have to be concerned about is where is the third shoe going to drop? Because I don't think that the United States can support everything all at once. And General, speaking of China, a bipartisan group of U.S. senators did meet with Xi Jinping inside China. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was urging Xi to support Israel. Now, you've also mentioned that China is in neutral in this sense. As you mentioned, they're supporting Iran as well as Russia. What is in China's interest in this region? Well, they've already said it. You know, they said it in the fact that they're buying oil from Iran, that they're shipping goods to Iran, they're supporting Iran. As I said, they're supporting Russia. So, and the fact that China came out and said, hey, we're neutral, give me a break. If you're supporting Iran, you're not neutral. And, uh, and furthermore, just saying you're neutral means that you support uh, Hamas's attack of Israel. So it is kind of frustrating that we have senators going to China you know, basically shaking Xi's hand that are in, on the one side basically saying they support Israel, but on the same, by the same token, they are meeting with China, who is definitely supporting Iran, who is definitely supporting Hamas. So just like with Russia and Ukraine, you know, the Russians are being supported by China. I think our politicians are speaking out of both sides of their mouth. And Washington, D.C. just doesn't understand the geopolitical context with which we find ourselves today. And given Beijing and China's support of Iran and Russia, what does that mean for the U.S.? Well, what that means is the United States is going to be forced uh, to be stretched along two uh, lines of conflict. And I think it, uh, a third line is coming. It's either going to be on the Korean Peninsula or it's going to be in the Taiwan Strait. And I think it's going to be the breaking point. We are out of munitions, okay? Israel needs reinforcements. We don't have any. We gave them all to Ukraine. So it's a perfect time for either North Korea or China to do anything in Asia. It really will be the breaking point for us, unfortunately. And, General, to your point, the Pentagon has been warning Congress they're low on funds to resupply the U.S.'s own ammunition. Even if they had those funds, it takes time. What would happen if we see this war over either Korean Peninsula or Taiwan? Well, I think you're going to see the United States basically have to um, 
you know, bow out. We are just not going to have the resources to really enable a fulsome support of Ukraine, Israel, and either South Korea or Taiwan. It's just it's just pure numbers. And so that's that's really going to be tough on the Pentagon because you know they're going to need resources to do either a resupply or evacuation, or in the case of Korea or Taiwan, if they want to help defend. You know, there's going to be munitions that they need. That they just quite frankly, don't have. And to your point, that sentiment is also being echoed by world leaders, even members of Congress. What is the solution here? How do we start reversing that trend? Well, I definitely believe that we need to decouple. Obviously, um, based on the lack of resources, we need to quickly uh, reconstitute our industrial base. This is not going to happen overnight, though. We're talking years, if not decades, of restoring the country. What we have to do is get on a war footing. What I mean is a cold war footing. We have to understand that we're going to be involved in conflicts and crises across the world as China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea begin to move out and take the offensive. They've been on the defensive for, for quite some time. We just have, there's so much going on, and we need to get down to first principles, and that is figure out who our partners and allies are, make sure that they're cut off from the rest of these authoritarian regimes, and begin to grow our societies and economies to accommodate the fact that we're in this long-term Cold War conflict. General Spaulding, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.